You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Radio Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald. Thank you very much for joining us here again today. Well, I got exposed to the burgeoning craft wine industry here in southwest Idaho and eastern Oregon just last week through a winery in Garden City, Idaho called Potter Wines. And it's a very, very interesting story about how this is all developing and kind of this movement that is developing here in our region when it comes not only to craft wines, but to craft beers as well. And there's a community of craft vintners, I should say, and craft brewers that are that are growing and they're working together and they're they're sharing customers and and uh, populating areas. It's it's kind of an interesting movement, and you know it's really interesting to find out some of the products that are being made and the way they're being packaged to reflect our lifestyle out here in Eastern Oregon and Southwest Idaho. So I thought today we would spend some time exploring this. And speaking with one of these craft wineries. So today I'm going to be speaking with Crystal Potter. She is the co-owner of Potter Wines, which is located in Garden City. And I was just there for a wine tasting a week ago. Just got introduced to her and her husband, who happened to be somewhat distant relatives of my wife, which was interesting. And hearing the stories and everything that goes into this industry and the way it's all developing, I knew I wanted to share it with you. So we will have Crystal on and we'll get that started for you here in just a moment. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, I uh, full disclosure, I was I was at a wine tasting at your winery just about a week ago, and I had a great time getting to know everybody and see your operation. And I thought this would be a great interview to kind of talk about what is going on in the community and probably all around the Pacific Northwest when it comes to craft wines and craft beers and things like that. So I appreciate you being willing to be the voice of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're honored and we're glad you had a great time. (laughs) All right. Well, let's do this. I always like to introduce our guests to our audience just so they know who they're listening to. And if you could, I'll have you do that. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and what your life looks like, I guess, outside of Potter Wines. Uh, Yeah. So um, I'm Crystal Potter, co-owner of Potter Wines. Uh, My husband, Vaughn, and I own it together. And I was born and raised in Idaho, so was Vaughn. So we are native Idahoans. And outside of the winery, we have two uh, young kids, and Vaughn also has a 26-year-old son in the Navy. Well, interesting that you, you've you been here in Idaho your your entire lives, or at least born and raised here. And I, I have some more questions about that coming up, because I got a little bit of inside information on you two, and I want to share that with everybody <laughs> so as, as well. But uh, let's do this. I How long has Potter Wines, how long has it been in existence? We uh, made it a business in 2012. So you've been going seven years now. And so tell us all about Potter Wines. What do you offer? What is what is kind of the attraction for the community here? Yeah, well, we offer a few different things. So our whole reason for existing is, you know, we we were just hobbyists. We made wine, you know, in carboys in our bathtub. Okay. <laughs> and we just sort of had an idea to make wine a little different. And we wanted people to feel like anybody could drink wine. Anybody could learn about wine. You, you don't have to know everything before you go chase wine. So we wanted to be approachable. We wanted to make wine fun. And so Vaughn had this crazy idea to make jalapeno wine. Okay. And I admittedly thought, I, I told him he was crazy. 
um, and then six months later, it, I tasted it and it was phenomenal. And I could see the possibilities. So we, to date, offer um, jalapeno wines and we also offer traditional wines. So we have a little bit of mixed fun because people can, you know, go to our fun side or they, if they're just strict traditionalists, they can stick with the whites and reds. All right. So I've got to ask, how do you get jalapeno into a wine? Yeah, well, there's probably more than one way, but the way we do it, we actually ferment the peppers with the grapes. So okay. at harvest time, we we bring in the grapes and we get we source our local peppers from different farmers here in the valley. And when the grapes come in, we grind up the peppers and they all go into fermentation together. So I, I want to go even further back than the jalapeno wine, because I've had it, by the way, and I like it. I think I've had it in a lemonade. Do you make it in a lemonade? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we make the wine itself, which is spicy. So we cook with them. We do cocktails. Okay. And the lemonade, uh, the jalapeno wine lemonade is a ready-to-go wine cocktail, basically. Okay. Well, and of course, I tasted it at, at the tasting a week ago, and, and the jalapeno wine is very, mm-hmm. very good. So you said you got started by just making wine in a bathtub. Now, what inspires a couple to turn their bathtub into a winemaking a winemaking area? Why did, <laughs> why did that even happen? Yeah, well, we were headed to our honeymoon. So Vaughn, in the house he used to live in, in Meridian, Idaho, he had a bunch of grapes and we had done everything with them. We didn't really know what else to do with them. We'd made raisins, we'd dried them, we'd done everything. And so he said, well, let's make a wine. And so we just got these little five gallon carboys. And of course, not knowing anything about wine, you have to let it sit for a while while it ferments. Well, it was honeymoon time. (laughs) So thankfully he had the foresight to say, well, we better stick it in the bathtub in case it explodes while we're gone. (laughs) Okay. So it did explode while we were gone, so right. we had wine all over our ceiling, but, you know, at least it was contained, so that was smart. So, hence our bathtub wine, which we actually put into the fair that year and won first place with, so oh, wow. it didn't go all bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's pretty good to uh, start off just getting into the, I guess, back then, the hobby and actually winning. Yeah, right. No, nobody was more shocked. Then he and I. Why'd you guys? <laughs> why'd you guys enter it into the fair? Did you taste it and go, "This is so good, we've got to put it in the fair"? Yeah, it, you know, Vaughn's dad actually encouraged us. And back then, I don't know if they do this anymore, but back then they had an amateur wine competition in the in the fair here in Boise, uh-huh. and, and so you could do that. Hobbyists could enter it, and his dad, I guess, knew about that, and he said, "Well, this is a really good wine. You should enter it and just see how it does." So we did. We made up a little label just on our own computers and stuck it in there and it ended up doing well. Very good. Well, I have toured your facility and I know you're out of the bathtub now. I think we should clarify that for people. (laughs) Yes, we're out of our bathtub. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's do this. I want to take a quick break and then when we come back, I want to talk to you. Well, I want to talk to you more about the history of your company and of your family. And then I want to talk about what's going on locally with craft wines, with craft beers and things like that. Okay. Great. Sounds good. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. 
When it comes to legendary performance, only a few chainsaws make the cut, like the Husqvarna lineup available at DMB Supply. Years of razor sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with Husqvarna. Pick one up at your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Crystal. Well, so you got started with the exploding wine in the bathtub, then you entered it in the fair and you won, and then a business was born right then, or did it take some time? It definitely took time. So at that point, we still, we were just hobbyists. We didn't have any intention of starting a winery because, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that to make a million dollars in a winery, you have to spend two. (laughs) So we did not have $2 million, Okay. uh, nor do we still, you know, have $2 million. So We were just doing it for fun. We kept entering competitions, amateur competitions. Um, It wasn't until we launched the Jalapeno Wine that we decided to make it commercial. And so when was that? When when was the launch? Oh, that was about 2010, I think, that we started making the Jalapeno Wine. And um, by this time, Bonadou convinced me it was a good product and I could see the I could see the use for it and, you know, it kind of filled this non-existent niche uh, for, for mixologists and uh-huh. home bartenders and people who love to cook. So we took it to the farmer's market just to see how it would do. Mm-hmm. And we didn't expect it to, to expand the way it did. People just loved it. So that the demand really is what made us decide to do the commercial end. So that is what, what launched us to 2012. It took a while to get all of our licensing. It takes a while for your wine to age. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how the business was born. So it's interesting. You know, it starts as a hobby, but it sounds like either you or Vaughn must have had something in the back of your mind because you kept taking steps that, that were projecting you forward to being a professional winery here in the Valley. Right. Yeah, very true. Um, and Vaughn is very much the type of person who he, I always say he's a visionary. So he has all the good ideas, but I am, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Okay. So that's sort of my background is, okay, well, what do we have to do to take this to the next step? Um, Let's see how it does. And so you're right in a little, in a way we sort of had sort of a goal. We thought, well, maybe we could do this on the side, but then, you know, it just, it just grew into this. We got to the point where it was either, we make this a business or we have to stop. I, I suppose as you were growing, it was getting more expensive in the in the realm of being right. a hobby. So you needed to bring some of that money back in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Where are you located today? Let everybody know how they can find you. Uh, we're in Garden City, Idaho. So we're down on Chindin. And if anybody's familiar with that area, we are actually in a really fabulous strip mall complex on 52nd and Chindin with along with Barbarian Brewing and Meriwether Cider and the Gulch Wine Room. So um, we're in a really great little complex with other craft breweries and wineries. And Garden City's kind of become this big um, hub for craft beverages. So what's led to that? Because it sounds to me like, in in speaking with you all last week and and talking with you right now, it sounds to me like as as you look at the craft breweries and the craft wineries that are around you, you're not looking at each other as competitors, but more as uh, a bunch of people who are kind of all in this together. Oh, for sure. We, I can't think of any of us that don't 
get along. We all support each other. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool vibe you get when you visit all of us because we'll tell you, well, you should go here next. These guys are great. Um, and we all sort of know each other on maybe not, you know, we're not all like best friends. We don't hang out personally, maybe, mm-hmm. but we all take the time to meet with each other and personally, at least at some, on some level, we know each other. So it's really cool because I don't think, and I could just be assuming, but I don't think there's a lot of places, regions you can go where all these small businesses really come together and support each other mm-hmm. as much as here in Garden City. And if I remember right, this has kind of spawned another small business where if people want to, there are businesses that will take you from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. So you can you can spend an afternoon or an evening or whatever going out and, and sampling everything that we we have to offer here in, in Garden City now? Yeah, absolutely. There's several privately owned tour groups. Uh, some of them are beer tours, but they will stop at the wineries as well. And then there's some Idaho wine tour groups. In fact, I think that's the exact name of one of them. And um, there's also party buses that you can hire. And there's a, I don't know, wine limo, I think that takes people around. There's quite a few. And we just had a big, our big event was this past weekend. We have an annual Garden City Repeal Day event, and that celebrates the repeal of prohibition in Garden City. And yeah, we have a bunch of shuttles that take you around to 15 of our establishments in Garden City. It's pretty fun. Oh, wow. Now, I'm sorry, did we did we just pass that by or is that upcoming? We just passed it. It was just this this last Saturday and Sunday. I'm just coming off of it. So that's why it's fresh on my brain. So it's always that first weekend in December. So people need to put that on their calendar for next year. Absolutely. It's a blast. (laughs) Okay, very good. Now, I wanted to ask you about packaging. I mean, we think of wine as coming in a bottle, but I know that there are a lot of uh, different wineries and and winemakers that are packaging wine differently these days. And I know you have a unique way of packaging your wines. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we do. So we 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 bottle a lot of our wines, but we also use a what we call a pouch. And it's actually one and a half liters. So it holds two bottles of wine. And the cool thing about the pouch, we always have a red wine in in the pouch because, you know, we live in Idaho. We have a lot of people who like to drink wine and maybe go camping or to concerts where you can have glass or Mm -hmm. um, hiking. So we always pouch a red blend and we pouch our jalapeno wine lemonade so you can easily take it to parties or, um, again, concerts. And I think the cool thing about that is, number one, it's transportable. It's not glass, so it's easier to take places. Mm -hmm. It's easier to fly with. And it also stays fresh longer. So a typical bottle of red wine or you would you would open and you'd have to consume it probably within three days, honestly. With a pouch, it'll stay good for about three to four weeks. Okay. So it's kind of our value wine, but we always vow to make a high quality wine in this really great travel-friendly pouch. Well, and one of the things I heard Vaughn talking about when I was there for the tasting was freezing it. People can freeze these and then transport them that way and and drink them cold later. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. That's one of, in the summer, when it's so hot here in Idaho, we have a lot of customers who will freeze the lemonade and you take it out. You can make a slushy with it or just let it, you know, 
thaw a little bit in your cooler and it's ready to go at your party. Well, one of the, one of the things I enjoyed so much hearing about this is kind of the meshing of living out here in the West. And one of the things, you know, if you think about uh, where, where, our, where our voices are being heard right now in Eastern Oregon and here in Southwestern Idaho, there's a list of things that draws people in. But one of those things, one of the major things that draws people into this area is rafting. And that's one of the things I keep hearing coming up about the wines being in the pouch is that it's easy to mm-hmm. take them on the river and then you're not violating any rules. You don't have glass and, and uh, it's really popular for river users. Yes, definitely. We have people who say they tie it on the side of their boat and so that it actually floats along in the river with them and stays cold. I think that's genius. And <laughs> and I should mention that the, the lemonade itself is only 2.5% alcohol. So that's another perk is you can drink it on the river and you're not going to get, you know, too tipsy to, to not be aware of your surroundings. You know, it's still pretty safe. Sure. All right. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to hear a little bit about uh, your family history here in Idaho. I know it's it's a very interesting story. Great. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. It's a pretty super life here at DMB Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology. The only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries. Because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Crystal. Well, now that we're back, before I forget, I wanted to ask you about one more flavor. I sampled a flavor last week that was chipotle and i've got to mm. ask you about this flavor i really liked it but man i took a big gulp to start out and it was it was hot <laughs> it was hot it got me <laughs> yes that's our that's our spicy probably our spiciest one right now and you know you have to keep in mind that our jalapeno wines are just like other wines in the sense that every vintage is a little different mm-hmm. so maybe that year the peppers were hotter which is the case of the Chipotle you had this, you know, just recently. Um, so sometimes our jalapeno wines, you know, you can always, you they're always dependable that there will be the heat to them. But we definitely noticed the the peppers that we got this last vintage were a little spicier. So the Chipotle is fun though, because it is, um, if you are a fan of smoke, that Chipotle flavor, mm-hmm. it is by far my favorite to barbecue with, you know, uses marinades and then stews and soups just to kind of give it that little tang and a little hint of smoke without making your food spicy. Because obviously when you cook with spice, sometimes a lot of that spice will cook out. So it's like our, our six and our eight year old eat food all the time that we've actually cooked with mm-hmm. our jalapeno wines and they have no idea because the spice cooks out, but it's just, kind of gets your food it gives it a nice flavor it tenderizes it and it's really delicious so chipotle is fun for sure all right well let me, i want to ask you about your family history for a second and and uh i i know this is on vaughn's side what i'm going to ask you about but you've got a really beautiful buckboard 
sitting in the in the back of your winery. Can you tell me why, mm-hmm. why that is there and kind of what that history surrounding that is? Yeah, so um, Vaughn's grandparents are, again, native Idahoans, long history of Idahoans. And um, they, you know, they're, I can tell you a little bit about their history. They were married in 1945. His grandpa was in, the, in World War II on the USS New Mexico. And when he came home, they got married and they owned a bunch of ranches. So, you know, they started in Bliss and then they bought Deer Creek and Haley. And then, you know, kind of a long list of other ranches that they tended to through Mackie, Haley, and Stanley. And one thing his grandfather was so skilled at was restoring these old wagons. Mm-hmm. So we have, Vaughn uh, was very blessed and lucky to inherit from his grandfather. We have his 1898 uh, mountain spring wagon that he restored in our winery right now. And it ran freight from Haley to Stanley and Chalice for the railroad. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got a cool history and it's just fun to display and our kids love to hang out in it. And it's kind of a cool talking piece. Yeah, absolutely. And full disclosure to everybody. So uh, you and I are loosely connected. So uh, Vaughn, who is who is named after his grandfather, also Vaughn Potter, uh, his grandparents, mm-hmm. Vaughn and Marguerite, are my wife's great aunt and uncle. And so that makes my wife and, and your husband, I don't know if it's second cousins or something like that, right? Pretty close. I think so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> so I had the pleasure uh, of getting to know Vaughn and Marguerite when uh, I was first married to my wife and to see some of the work he was doing. Um, and it always such a fascinating history to be able to, to visit with them. And to kind of know and, and hear how Idaho operated, you know, 70 years ago, 80 years ago. Yeah. And, and moving cattle and moving sheep and, and all the different ranching activities that go on. And, and you guys, it's your winery with that buckboard. You're preserving part of that history. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. We're certainly trying. You know, it's, you see, even here in Idaho, you can kind of sense that uh, people forget how the Idaho that you just talked about was. So mm-hmm. we, we hope to, to kind of keep some of that in the family and um, showcase it to people who might appreciate it. And so far um, it's gotten a lot of attention, which is cool. It's um, it's cool to just know that history of Idaho and try to remember that because I think we tend to forget how Idaho was back then. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, uh, your family there, Vaughn and Marguerite, they were trying to keep that history alive as well. Uh, your husband, Vaughn, was telling me that that particular wagon was used for a drive or a, a, a wagon train that went, was it from Boise all the way to Chalice? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is, is a long ways on a wagon. <laughs> yeah, that was a long trip. He was saying it took months to do. So pretty neat stuff with with keeping all of that alive. And so I just wanted to make sure and throw that in just so everybody knows some of the things that that go into places like yours because I'm sure there's there's a story like that and a lot of the different craft wineries and breweries that are all all around this area of Southwest Idaho and Eastern Oregon. Yeah, for sure. I think you hear, you know, we hear a lot of stories about people who were maybe born here and they went away for a while and they came back because this is where they wanted to mm-hmm. start their winery or their brewery. So it's it's neat to to see that that Idaho is becoming known, you know, even as from its native 
people as a place that they can start their business, even a craft beverage business. Absolutely. Um, pretty cool because there's some big cities out there that would probably, you know, one would think they should go to like Portland to start a, a winery or brewery, but instead yeah. they, they come back here to do it. Let's take another break. And when we come back, let's talk more about that because I think we are pretty uniquely suited to do that right here in our region. We'll be right back, everybody. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At DMB Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking. Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. All right. Well, Crystal, is before we went to break, we were talking about, you know, people wanting to come back here. And I've always thought about this with Idaho. Idaho, we're, we're really fortunate. And I think, I think we're right on the cusp of this, but you can let me know if I'm right. But uh, we grow barley here. We grow hops. We grow grapes. We've got great, fresh spring water. I mean, to me, for craft wine and for craft beer... We are sitting in a very, very great geographic and agricultural area. Are you seeing reflections of that with what's going on with this movement, if I will? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you nailed it. I think just agriculturally, we're we're set up strong. And um, I think the only issue we're probably going to run into, and I know this, this is for certain for those of us who need grapes, is we actually need even more in the mm-hmm. ground. Um, and that, that takes time. Yeah. And money. <laughs> right. But um, so, yes, there's a need for it. There's a want for it. It's just a matter of finding the the people who are willing to buy up, you know, tens of acres of land at a time mm-hmm. and, and put the effort into it. Well, you know, that's interesting because I think it's the same thing for hops as well. There's a, a nationwide shortage of hops because there's so much craft brewing going on all over. And with us being a hop growing region, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it creates opportunities for people in ag with both grapes and with hops. Right. Right. Absolutely. What's driving this? What's driving this demand? So you said that Garden City is kind of a burgeoning area for this these craft uh, wineries and breweries now. What is pushing this? Obviously, there's got to be customers that want to come to places like Potter Wines. What What's behind it? Yeah, well, I think it's a nice marriage of a couple things. You've got more people moving in here than ever before. I mean, I think I just saw another article yesterday saying, you know, naming Boise as uh, I think it was from number one place to move for, I think it was millennials. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got an influx of people. And I know that's certainly the case for us. We have people coming here from out of town that say, I just moved here, just found you guys. And they're really curious about the industry here. Number one, they're happy about it. They're happy. There is an industry here. Mm-hmm. There's beer and wine and there's good beer and wine. And two, they have a little bit of that disposable income. And so, you know, that's, that's one part of it. I think you've got a lot of people, coming here. And then the second part of it, it's just a really small, it's Idaho's very friendly to small businesses. So I know Garden City itself was very accepting of us when we first came to them and said we wanted to open our tasting room. I mean, we were met with welcome arms. And I know that was the case for, you know, the brewery next to us. And um, Mm -hmm. it might not be the case for all industries here, but it is certainly the case for Garden City uh, because they they want tourism here. They want people to come here and spend their dollars. And it's just a great combination of a couple factors that's Mm -hmm. working right now. 
And aside from the fact that the population is growing here and, and growing rapidly with a lot of new people coming in wanting to explore all these local flavors, is in in the craft wine and beer industry in general, is there an increasing interest and increasing demand? Yeah, for sure. I guess I, I can't probably speak for the craft brewery all, uh, side of it, but I looking at it, I think there definitely is a increased demand for it because they're growing all the time. (laughs) There's always something popping up, but certainly the wine industry is having a moment here and, and, you know, it's hopefully it lasts for a, a while because I don't know how many people listening know this, but, you know, back in 1970s, there were only um, a couple wineries in existence here in Idaho. And as a few popped up over the course of the years, you know, the, it's not like we had the population to support them. So a lot of people who lived here didn't even know about them. Mm-hmm. And now I think with social media and just word getting around and there's just a, a big demand for, for wine here and it's good wine. It's, you know, you've got more winemakers in the pot than there used to be too. And so you're getting, you're getting a lot of winemakers who want to live here and make good wine. Well, that's a that is a, a great situation to be in. I would say, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stories, a lot of interesting products, and great tasting wine, just like you said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a an exciting time. I'm glad we got in on it when we did. All right. Well, let's take our final break, and when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about the winemaking process and where you get your grapes from and things like that. Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. After a long day on your feet, nothing feels better than slipping into some Twisted X moccasins. So pick up a pair at D&B Supply. These aren't your ordinary shoes. With roots in Western boots, Twisted X creates handcrafted, comfortable moccasins that stand out from the pack. They capture the spirit of the American West from the design down to the soles. Find your new favorite comfortable shoes with a pair of Twisted X moccasins. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right. Well, Crystal, let's talk about grapes. So we've been kind of, you know, hitting all around the bullseye on this, but where do you get your grapes from? Where are they coming from? Yeah. So we source, most of our grapes come right here from Idaho. So we have a couple different uh, vineyards we source from, um, Skyline and Sawtooth Vineyards, Mm -hmm. uh, which are owned by Precept Wines. And those are just out of kind of that Caldwell Marsing area. And then our newest vineyard we began sourcing from this last harvest was Cary Hill uh, Winery. And so they are out of Homedale. Okay. So, you know, we're small, so we don't, comparatively, if you were to compare us to, you know, uh, St. Chappelle, we don't get a lot of grapes. But every year we try to up our contract a little bit or at least find another vineyard. So we're always growing in the event that we have a bad harvest like 2016 or 2017 mm-hmm. when grapes just didn't fare well, maybe there was a bad frost, you know, um, that killed the vines. I think 17 was a result of that snowmageddon we had That's that right. one winter That's right. <laughs> uh, where a lot of us didn't get any grapes because there just wasn't a good yield at all. And mm-hmm. um, in those cases, we go to Washington and we source some Washington fruit so we can still have you know, wine available for people. And so are you, are you constantly trying to, I guess is it's kind of a chicken or the egg question. Do you determine how many grapes you're going to get based on the demand or are you always scrambling for more grapes because you have a hard time keeping up with the demand for the wine that people want to purchase from you? Yeah, so far it's been the latter. So we, 
every year in um, this, this year has been no different. We start to get to the point where we're running out of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually about this time of year. <laughs> it's, it's always this, there's this little sweet spot for wineries where you haven't released any of your, your new stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a few months away, which is the case for us, but you've almost sold out of all your current stuff. So it's a little bit of a, you know, you have to, and you have to just try to plan ahead for that. And so by the way we do that is, you know, we try to grow a certain percentage every year in production. And right now that's been about, I'd say 30% every year, you know, you still try to be a little bit conservative because you don't want to, you know, over commit yourself. But certainly the case for us has been, we nearly run out of wine every year, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a good and bad problem to have, right? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It's a good problem to have unless you want to buy wine from Potter Wines, and then it's a bad problem to have, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how does the process work? You source the grapes, and then they all get delivered or right there to your winery in Garden City? We go out and get them, actually. So during harvest, when usually what will happen is, you know, we'll kind of we'll watch the weather, we'll go out... Uh, weekly, sometimes two or three times a week, and we'll test the sugars and um, the acidity on the grapes. Right, you know, this starts about end of August for mm-hmm. for Vaughn and I, anyway. And Vaughn, being the winemaker, he monitors kind of what they're doing. You know, are the sugars where he wants them? Uh, is the acid where he wants them? If not, he lets them hang a little bit a, a little bit longer, um, and then we just communicate to the vineyard managers, sort of what we're thinking. And sometimes it's a, you know, for us, we've been lucky because we have good relationships with them. We can kind of say, hey, we're, I think we're ready to pick what's your availability in the next few days. And then they come back and say when they can do it. The one thing you don't want to do as a winemaker is irritate the vineyard managers. Because if you say, hey, it's got to be now. And they've got, you know, tons of other wineries they're picking for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get pretty demanding, they're, they're not as, as likely to work with you. So we try to just really have a good relationship with our okay. with the vineyard managers out there. So once you, once you determine they're ready, you let the vineyard manager know, okay, we're ready for you to pick and we need X amount. Is that correct? Yeah, well, we have contracts. So they're usually about three-year contracts. Okay. And so we, we, we know we're going to get you know, this much of Merlot every year because of our contract. Now, if they have an excess of yield that year, a lot of times they will say, hey, we've got a little bit more. Uh, would, would you like it? And at that point, we can say yes or no. And then the grapes come to your location in Garden City and what happens next? Yeah, so we bring them in and um, we, we we actually do production right there in the back of our tasting room. Um, not everybody does. Some people have... They go to different production facilities or they rent out somebody's production facility. But we crush them all right there in the back. We press, we do fermentation, the whole thing. So it's been nice to have a one-stop shop for that. Very cool. And then once you do that, what will be wine goes into a barrel and then it it sits there and ages for how long? Yeah, it depends on the varietal. So um, right now we've got like our Chardonnay, it's in stainless steel. And it will age another probably four months and we'll actually release it in April. But our reds, some of them will stay in the barrel 
for two years, some of them for four. Okay. So it just sort of depends on the winemaker and what he wants to do with them. And, and sort of, you know, you got to also see what the wine is doing to itself too and, and know when to, when to call it. Well, here we are. We're on the cusp of Christmas. Is there a, is there a very popular uh, variety for Christmas time? Oh, yes. So we do a seasonal wine. It's, um, it's a spiced wine. Uh, we call it mold jalapeno wine. That's M-U-L-L, not M-O-L-D. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is really popular this time of year. We only carry it through the end of December. Mm-hmm. So um, it sells out every year, and it's looking to sell out this year. And it's a cool blend of um, jalapeno wine and apple cider, white wine, star anise, cinnamon, and clove, and you serve it warm, like a hot spiced wine. Mm-hmm. I tasted it. It was excellent. Oh, good. Good. Yes, I'm glad you liked good. it. Well, this has been great, and I'm so happy that uh, that we could have you on the have you on the show and talk about what's going on in our region when it comes to this. I think we're very lucky to have all of this just right here at our front door if we live in southwest Idaho or or in eastern Oregon. I want to ask you, if people want more information about Potter Wines, where should they go? Uh, our website is a great place, potterwines.com, um, and you can see what events we have coming up. You can order online. Um, there's all kinds of information. There's recipes as well. So I encourage people to check it out. Very good. And just one clarifying question. When I type in Potter Wines, I start typing that in, it defaults to jalapenowine.com. Yes, it will do that. Yep, it's just a redirect. So okay. basically when we got the website, we claimed both both okay uh URLs. so all right well very good well thank you so much for for coming on today and sharing all this information with us really appreciate your time yeah thank you matt it was fun thank you all for joining us today and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it for the dnb show i'm matt breckwald <laughs>